Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Welcome to episode 261. This week, we have Alvin bragging about fighting crime, school choice on life support, Congress actually has a better approval rating than someone, time running out on TikTok, the mother of all stupid statements under the gold dome, finally a fight between branches of state government, and Ken's lead foot. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner's endeavor, legislator emeritus, recovering politician, Ken Pullen. <laughs> good, good afternoon, Dave. And that is not on my email signature, by the way. <laughs> Re- recovering politician? Yeah, it's not there. <laughs> yeah, where where are you on the on the twelve steps on the, on that one? Uh, fully recovered. <laughs> I'm not, not going to any meetings any longer, so I'm good. <laughs> so it was was it like you, know, you and like three other people that actually had any any ethics that were up there that left? <laughs> like you have a, have a support group? Yeah, I do miss the good dinners at night. Though. That was uh, that was something else. You can only eat so much red meat in a week during session. That's the only bad thing. I mean, actually, that's not a it's not a bad idea to cram cheese and red meat because I've heard about the bathroom situation under the gold dome. <laughs> that's very true. What you heard is probably correct. Yes, yeah, I, there, there there is no private area for reps to 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 go. No, but you know all the secret spots that a lot of other people don't go to. So that, second floor or something like that. Yeah, second yeah, floor. That, there's one third floor. I think uh, the fourth floor may have one, but uh, I've forgotten by this point. Yeah, I've heard there, there, there's a couple places to go and hide. Because uh, look, you're already in a suit. You already got lobbyists uh, tracking you down. I mean, I, I uh, my first job in banking was an in-store, which means I was inside a grocery store in a bank. And uh, I actually had a customer follow me into the bathroom. Uh, I'm standing nice. at the urinal and start asking me about, about CDs and stuff. I, I'm like, come on, man. I still when remember. Mr. Happy's out. The, the bank is a, his bank is closed. Yeah, I still remember. I think the best meal I ate one night was the the current speaker John Burns. I went out to dinner with him one night, and he pulled me aside. He said, "Let's go to we're going to Kevin Rathburn's tonight steakhouse with." It was a group of lobbyists, and he said, "If we call early enough, they've got this spinalis cut we can order." He said, "They'll cook it up special for you." That was the most unbelievable piece of uh, ribeye steak I've ever had in my life, but. <laughs> So you got to know the tricks of the trade. The longer you stay up there, I'll have to. I'll have to try Rathburns. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was a big fan of Chops, and then their their uh, their quality went down. Their quality of service went down. The food was still spectacular. Their quality of service went down. And so Kevin Rathburns uh, and, and Howl Steakhouse was a favorite too. Uh, Howl Steakhouse up around Buckhead is amazing. What about Capitol Grill? Yeah, never, never be- went over that way, but it's good. I, we just never went there during session. I just figured being, you know, being the Capitol Grill, you guys might end up there. <laughs> Makes sense. So if two politicians are out to lunch, who buys? Uh, I think you both, uh, you split the ticket. But we usually don't go out without a lobbyist. So usually the lobbyist takes us out. So Yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to see alligator arms, <laughs> go go out to dinner with a politician. <laughs> like, like, there's a few. Uh, look, I'll give Martin Mom to hand. 
uh, uh, credit. I, I've, I've been out to lunch with him a couple times, and he he absolutely will grab the check and pay. Uh, yeah, Martin. I've, I've been out. I've been I've been out to lunch and, and with some of them, and the check comes. Those kind of look at it like, eh? yeah, uh-huh. no one's volunteering. <laughs> like uh, you could fake it. Like oh, you know, Kevin Hart's got a, a Capital One commercial like that where they bring the bill. He's like, you're not even gonna try. Yep. <laughs> so. Is President Trump being arrested or not? As of last week, he was not. Yeah, we, uh, I think we all heard he was going to be arrested this Tuesday, right? So that Tuesday has uh, gone and passed. And now, I don't know if you saw this too, Dave, he wasn't arrested on Tuesday, but there were a lot of uh, GIFs that came out by a lot of this AI technology that can generate images online. And they had images generated of President Trump being arrested and uh, and drug around outside the jail in New York. I, I haven't seen it, but I believe it. Yeah, but no, they it, were. It, what was the charge? Misdemeanor. So, so basically, the DA in New York is potentially going to charge President Trump with a misdemeanor for paying off Stormy Daniels, who is, uh, by all accounts, a porn star. Is that is that correct? Yeah, and the actual the actual crime is uh, he he didn't record the payment correctly. Okay, it's not that it's illegal to pay off a porn star. <laughs> it's not because uh, I mean, really, it, that that's the whole point of being a porn. I mean, you, you, I don't think she's doing it for fun. Very true. Um, so it's not illegal to pay somebody off. It's not illegal to get an NDA. It's not illegal to settle with an NDA. All right, here's here's the problems I have with the story. First off, one, call a spade a spade. Stormy Stormy's a is a hooker. Yep. Whether cameras rolling or not, Stormy's a hooker. That that's what it is. When you hire a hooker, you have an agreement that she keeps her mouth shut. That's the hush money you pay a hooker. As Charlie Sheen says, I, I don't pay them for sex; I pay them to leave. And people were kind of on Stormy's side when this first came out. And then she started describing, uh, let's say, Don Jr. <laughs> yeah, that she did. I remember that. And everybody went, whoa. I mean, Democrats, <laughs> Republicans, all of us like, whoa. First of all, that's out of bounds. That's just something you don't do. I mean, you can talk to a thousand ex-wives and none of them are going to go out and, and bang on their ex-husband's junk. <laughs> it's just, it's just, just not done. So everybody was like, whoa. And, and the other thing is, how do you compare somebody to the hogs you see in the porn industry? <laughs> Whew, I didn't know we were you going know, this direction with this story, but okay. <laughs> I mean, just just because you don't have a stretch limo doesn't mean you're, you're in a VW bug. There you go. <laughs> so, so did you also see how Governor Ron DeSantis sort of reacted to this story where he said, yeah, we're you know we don't like what the prosecutor's doing in New York, but I also don't know what paying off a porn star details. So he got a kind of a a backhanded a, uh, you know dig towards Trump at the end there, cheap shot. I wouldn't even call it call that cheap shot. That, that, that's a that was a that was a very gentle jab. It was yeah, very gentle. But it's interesting because I mean, these guys are finally. I think DeSantis is finally starting to speak up a little bit against President Trump, and it's. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Well, the what DeSantis is seeing is if he doesn't if he doesn't jab, he's going to be irrelevant. Yep, exactly. Uh, uh, Alvin Bragg is making Trump into a victim, 
And that's the only status that he did not have. And I think Democrats want that. Uh, well, I mean, I think Democrats want Trump as a nominee again. I think they see, I think they see President Trump as someone they can beat again in 2024. And I don't think they want a DeSantis or Nikki Haley or Tim Scott running against uh, President Biden. Well, here's the other consideration. Trump is talking about pardoning on day one all the January 6th people. Yep. And that's a you're going to see a bunch of libertarians and honestly independents who who saw what was what happened, knew it was not an insurrection, certainly not a not a federal crime, not a, not a felony. And that 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 sort of that sort of uh, verbiage right there is 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 powerful mm-hmm. if if he can articulate it without going completely frigging nuts and his eyes spinning in different directions. Yes, very true. You know, it's that that Trump's for the most part, Trump's policies were great by everybody. Obviously, you know, my bank account looks better under Trump. My taxes looked better under Trump. Uh, not very happy with, with what he did with the, with the slide fire and all that stuff, but it's hard to argue uh, against the economy. The only thing that stopped Trump's reelection was COVID. Yeah. COVID stopped. Yep. I mean, it took a, a worldwide pandemic to shut down the, to shut everybody down for, in order for Biden to, to sneak in there. Cause I don't even think the Democrats ran Biden expecting him to win. No. And I mean, Biden was able to, because of COVID, Biden was able to sit in his basement all day and, basically not go out and do interviews and, and meet with the people. So he was able to hide sort of the condition he was in, which if you watch him speak is he's not in a good, good state of mind presently. No. And look, he was never the brightest bulb, uh, you know, got popped for plagiarism in college, uh, said things like I, I, I finished the top 10% of the class. No, you didn't. You finished in the bottom, <laughs> the bottom. 20% or yeah. something like that. Yeah, uh, no, you didn't. Uh, a lot. Of, there's a lot of stuff that that, that Biden has has in. If he didn't have uh, uh, mental degeneration, then it's he was just lying. Mm-hmm. And then he just continues to make up stories as we go. Now it feels like every yeah, week, corn pop. yeah, corn pop, and there's a new story of uh, of what Biden did years and years ago, and they're so easily debunked at this point. But dude, just read from the teleprompter and stick to the script and you'll be okay. Don't go off. Don't go off uh, the teleprompter. Go off the teleprompter. He can't figure out which way to turn. He's shaking hands with ghosts. (laughs) He has been known to do that. I've noticed recently. Introduce his wife as a sister. Yeah, but, I mean, but look at the number two. I mean, Kamala Harris is, is uh, the Democrats have nobody on the bench currently, or they would have long ago kicked Joe Biden to the side. But Kamala, well, I think they, Kamala they, can't they were win, trying to keep Pete Buttigieg can win. Well, I think they're trying to keep Pete in the minor leagues mm-hmm. and and train him up, and then he just just fell apart. Yeah, he's been a total failure, and the train uh, derailment up in Ohio is put a coffin in his political or put a nail in his political coffin for the future. And had they not just crapped all over Andrew Yang, he he would have been now I'm not a fan of it. I mean, I, Andrew Yang is a reasonable person to talk to. I, I've I've seen interviews with him. He's he's a reasonable person to talk Very to. Very smart guy. But he's yeah. He's a universal income guy. Yeah. And that that's everything that the Democrats want. But they just absolutely crapped all over him and threw him to the curb. And same thing with Tulsi Gabbard. They she's did. a she's a reasonable person, uh, uh, army veteran, 
uh, currently serving as, as a, as a guards, uh, guards person, guards, uh, guardsman. I don't care. Guardsman. She's a guardsman. Um, but she's, she's articulate. She's very smart. She's left of where, where I, you know, obviously where I think Republicans should be, but she would have been a middle of the road shining star and they crapped all over her. Yeah. She's got a little Ron Paul in her also. It feels like from a, from a war perspective, I, She's all over the place in her beliefs, but I'll, I'm like you. She's, I think she could do a decent job if she was elected. She's very much different uh, than most most of them I see in Congress nowadays and people running for president. I would put her as a Bill Clinton-esque. Uh, Bill Clinton had the ability to pivot mm-hmm. in 92, or 94 when uh, Gingrich took back Congress. Bill Clinton did a, did a pivot to the right, and he, he wrote out the next six years and was— hugely popular for, for, for the, the remainder of the time. Yep. His popularity, those credits did not transfer, however, to Al Gore nor his wife. No. Where Bill Clinton was seen as as super uh, fun, uh, get along with just about anybody. And, you know, I guarantee you, if I, if I met Bill Clinton, it, we'd get along fine. Yep. Talk about things besides politics. And I think he was like Again, the most fiscally he, conservative president probably, what, since... 1980, stretching back yeah, well, 40 he, years. He also had he also had Gingrich. Yeah, he had, a, he had a Republican speaker, so that helps. But they were still very, you know, they, the national debt increased less under him than any other president since 1980 or Jimmy Carter. And we were also well, we were also <clears throat> booming with the dot coms, and there's a lot of stuff that, that goes goes into those statistics. But yeah, uh, look, I, I would I want if Clinton was was. 30 or 40 years younger, would I, would I vote for him? No, yep. I didn't vote for him then either. <laughs> but as far as, as far as a reasonable person that you could, you know, an opposing speaker could go sit down with and talk, you could do that. McCarthy can't go talk to Biden. And if he did, Biden wouldn't remember it the next day. Exactly. All right. We have the last push on school choice. Day 39 and 40 are this week. Yeah, so Greg Zell, Senator Dulles' school choice bill in Georgia, which basically gives parents $6,500 to send their children to a private school if they're current public schools in the lower 25% of all you know, Georgia public schools. That bill has passed the Senate, and it's currently stuck in the House with two days left. So the General Assembly will come back into session, I think it's next Tuesday and Wednesday. So when the readers hear this on Monday morning, we'll have two days left, Tuesday and Wednesday. So school choice will have to, if, it, if it's passed in this session, I'll have to get through one of those days. The challenge with school well, choice. Yeah, go ahead. Well, we know that Wednesday, a day is as long as they decide it's going to be. So Wednesday could be three o'clock in the morning and they get it crammed through. Yeah, I mean, the challenge with school choice in Georgia is not, Democrats are all opposed to school choice, even though they actually should, uh, they should be in favor of this bill because it gives children and their districts more opportunity to excel and, and advance in life. But there's a lot Democrat of Democrat <clears throat> politicians are not about moving their constituents up in in, no, not in at circumstance. They're they're about keeping uh, their constituents believing that the other side wants to keep you down. And if if someone is upwardly mobile, they they're no longer a victim and they no longer identify with their politics, but sorry, Ken. No, I was going to say, but the challenge with this bill is not necessarily Democrats. It's getting your rural Republican legislators on board. So even in areas where in counties like I live in, the superintendents see this as a measure that takes 
funds away from the local public schools. So those, those local superintendents and even a lot of the teachers that are very politically active are putting a lot of pressure on their Republican representatives to vote no on this bill and not support this bill. So the challenge here is can you find enough Republican votes to get school choice through either on day 39 or 40 of next week? You know, government employees are always afraid of competition. Yeah, and this bill doesn't if, take money away from public schools. It actually is a separately allocated. It, sh- it should. Well, it yeah. should. It should. It should actually. It should take the funds that that were allocated for that student, put it and put it into a to a trust fund, and let that student that student's parents shop that money out to who whoever can give them the uh, oh, best experience I, for the I, child. I, I totally agree with you, but in in this bill, it takes a whole new set of funds and allocates that towards this program. So as long as public school in Georgia is fully funded according to the calculations they've got. And I was arguing with someone on Twitter earlier about this when they said we should fully fund education. And, and I said, well, what does that even mean? Like how much more funding do we want for education in Georgia? And if we gave education another $20 billion, would we see any advancements in the students in the state of Georgia? And I'm, I'm guessing no, because it's not just about money. Uh, and I, my wife's a school teacher. She'll tell you it's not about money. It's about parents. It's about home life. There's so many factors that go into a student's education besides just the dollar amounts. But that's what everyone's focusing well, on. And one of my big problems with George W. Bush uh, was his No Child Left Behind Act that has that ties school funding to how their kids do on tests. Mm-hmm. So you have spectacular teachers out there who aren't allowed to teach. Because you have to worry about the test, the test. Yeah, exactly. The test. We're teaching for the test uh, pretty much the entire year. And every time I hear a school superintendent come out and say, we've got a 98% graduation rate. I don't want a 98% success rate. I want about a 50% success rate. Yeah. They're just not, they're passing everybody through now. Right. You know, I, I want it to be tough. Uh, you know, beginning of, beginning of uh, some training in, in, in the army. Look to the left, look to the right, look to the front and to the back of you. If you're here, those four won't be. Yep, exactly. And I mean, and look, you've got with the with the Hope Scholarship. What that's, I think, in my opinion, what that's enabled, or what that's enabled, is kids uh, getting B averages so they can qualify for the Hope Scholarship. So again, what teacher wants to give a child a C in high school and them not qualify for the Hope? So by providing free tuition to all students in the state of Georgia, if you maintain a B averages, at the end effect of that is we're just passing everybody through with good grades, even if they can't cope when they get to college and can't pass the, you know, can't pass the college rigor. Yeah. But a lot of these kids are going to these two year schools that are popping up and it's high school part two. It is living at home with mom and dad. And, I, and I've, I've got a friend who's a professor uh, at a two year school. I mean, he, t- he teaches some, some advanced stuff and he, he would go to these kids and say, Hey, listen, you need to drop this class. Mm-hmm. You're not, you, you can't pass. If you drop right now, it's just, it's not going to count against your GPA. I'm going to stick it out, man. I'm going to stick it out. No, I understand. I teach math. I've done the math. You can't pass. I'm yeah. going to stick it out. And then he gets phone calls. To the parents going, how did my son fail the cl- fail your <laughs> class? But anyway, yeah, the, the school choice, I've said it many times, get rid of public schools, let parents keep their money and let them find and give voucher. If you, if you want to do qualified income, qualified vouchers, whatever, still cheaper than running a bunch of uh, a bunch of daycares across the state, and, and exactly what schools are is a daycare 
uh, we're going to feed you. We're going to give you breakfast. We'll give you lunch. And at some proposal in, in Atlanta, was to give them dinner too, <laughs> to feed them three times a day uh, and and just keep keep them off the streets. It's, it's, it's kitty prison. Yes, the county that's to my north, they provide free lunches all summer long. So we have taken away a parent's responsibility to feed their child. Yeah. I, I, hey, listen, we'll give it, we'll give it to listeners. Definitely. We hope school choice gets through. If you've got a representative that you keep in contact with, definitely tell them that you support the school choice and we'll give everybody an update next week on whether or not this bill gets through the general assembly. In time. Yes. We'll give a, a CNADA <clears throat> rundown uh, next show for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as of Thursday, the taxpayers of Georgia will be safe because legislative uh, uh, 40 days will be out. <laughs> yes. All right. So we got SB 93 by Jason Anabatarde, who is who's my uh, state senator, passed with zero nay votes, banning TikTok. Yeah, bans TikTok on all state devices. Uh, I think we're both fans of this. Uh, state employees should not be scrolling through TikTok or really any other social media. You've got a phone for work and use that phone for work activities. So Definitely a good bill by Senator Anavatarte. And this also applies to any other devices that are 10% owned by foreign adversaries, which I guess the definition of a foreign adversary can change from time to time. But uh, yeah, this will apply definitely to TikTok. This is sort of the TikTok ban. No problem with this yeah, bill. I, I'd like to see all social media shut off with too. the exception of direct communication with the citizenry. So you have a communications department yep. that needs to have access to, to Facebook twits and everything else. We're going to put, you know, uh, we're going to uh, notice will be closed on good Friday, what, mm-hmm. whatever it is, uh, that sort of stuff. And of course, investigations, but you have dedicated devices for that, that are clean of everything else. Nothing else can be tracked on it. This device is, uh, is only for investigating social media stuff. Um, and, and of course, you have a you have a right to have your own personal phone. Have it on that. Which I have you know, no idea you, how somebody keeps up with two devices. I, I have I lose my one device all the time, but <laughs> I agree with you. You can definitely have two devices if you so choose. Well, uh, we used to have a, a county commissioner out here, Vernon Collette, super good guy. Vernon always carried two, but his real job was in finance. And he, because he has uh, conflicting laws with Freedom of Information Act that anything that's discussed on a, on a county device, and he has privacy laws on the other side with, with dealing with, with his clients. So he maintained two, two phones for that, for that reason, to be able to keep, to keep those separate. So he had one just for county business. Uh, and, and, I, and I had two when I was at different different uh, corporate jobs that I had because I'd have my personal device and, and I'd get issued a device that belonged to the bank or whoever. That's back when I had to pay for minutes because I'm not going to use my minutes for the bank. We were just talking about <laughs> this over the weekend, how we used to have to call collect. When did, uh, I'm pretty sure my kids have never heard about call and collect. When did that go out, Dave? Because I remember I used to call home and it was collect and I would just say, call me back. And then my parents would call me back at a cheaper rate, but I can't. I can't uh, remember when that went out of style. No, I uh, mine was call collect and say you you've received a call from. You can pick me up now. <laughs> yes, many a time. <laughs> the charges have been. Yeah, the charges have been declined. Call and collect uh, at long distance. Long distance used to be a thing. I'll say. 
<laughs> after seven. That's yes, after seven. I remember that. Uh, you, get, you get nighttime rates. You you would wait to call call uh, uh, family out of town until you got the nighttime <laughs> rates. We're going back down memory lane today. <laughs> <laughs> Two old white guys. They renamed the podcast. Uh, Governor Kemp signed uh, Senate Bill 140 out, uh, outlawing from providing certain hormones or surgical treatment. This is this is the trans bill. Yeah, we gave an update on this last week. But as yeah. the taping of the show, Governor Kemp did sign that bill. There were some thoughts on whether or not he would sign it, when he would sign it, what kind of fair, fanfare would be around this bill. It sounds like he's just signed it in his office. Uh, it's going to be lawsuits. ACLU's already said they were going to sue the state of Georgia. Uh, among other organizations. So we'll just have to keep an eye on this and see where this goes in the court system. Well, the, the, and I'm, and the way I would write the bills, I'd, I'd put it down, I'd uh, file it under child abuse, not under medical, and then let the ACLU come out and support child abusers. Uh, of course, they have no problem doing that. They do it, they do it all the time. Uh, Americans have lower confidence in banks now than they have in Congress. Yeah, so after all the bank bailout uh, stuff that happened a couple of weeks ago, poll came out today that said people have 10% confidence in banks compared to an 18% confidence in Congress. So I, I think this is the only entity in the United States probably where people have less confidence. Now, what's scary about that is the less confidence to me people have in the banking system, the more it gives the government an option to come in and even regulate them harder or potentially do more nationalization type efforts. So uh, this is, and, a, and that's the, that, that's, that's kind of, I feel that's kind of the goal here is too. to get down to five, five banks. You have nowhere else to go. I do too. Um, yeah, Kevin that, O'Leary again is out, uh, out there banging on, banging his drum. And, and, I, and I like Kevin O'Leary fine. I just think he's wrong to go out on TV where, Less than one percent of the people uh, listening have more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a single account, mm-hmm. uh, and then then cause a panic with people who have no no hope of having more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a de- in a deposit account. Right, right. Uh, I know that SoFi is they're working on with a couple other banks raising their because uh, FTIC is an insurance company. Raising the premium so they can raise their uh, their uh, limit to two th- two million. Okay, so they're going to do it themselves and raise it up to two million. That's what they're working on. And so far, it's paying something like somewhere uh, north of four mm-hmm. percent on the deposit accounts. Now it's because they're scum. They're a lender on the other side. They're scumbags. They're eighteen twenty percent. I mean, look, that just is what it is. You're right. Uh, they're, they're they they tread the usury line. On the other side, so they can afford to pay four or five percent on on the savings because they're they're lending it out. <clears throat> but yeah. now I was gonna say, I mean, that's the thing. Not that this is a financial advice show, Dave, but if you look around currently, you can get five percent of your money in quite a few banks out there, either by doing a three month CD or just a money market account. Or uh, I've got some money in an Amex high yield savings account that's paying almost four percent. So at this point, you yeah, can, so do we. Yeah, you can get some pretty good returns on just sticking your money out there in cash. Yeah. And we were talking, we were talking before the show about if having existing loans that are 2%, why pay them off? Yeah. No reason you, at this you, point. You, yeah. You're, you get a 2% spread 
on on that money uh, in in uh, Amex at four or at SoFi at four or whatever, and you 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 get a two percent spread on there that you're on the good side of it. You're a lender instead of a borrower, mm-hmm. and that's 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 a good place to be. Yep. Now, now that we've given the financial advice, this is a good time to remind you these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over the georgiavirtue.com. We have a dual meal of the week. We both typed, typed this one in. Ken, go ahead. No, this came out, Dave and I both thought this was uh, this was the easiest meal of the week ever, I think, but it's... By Democrat State Representative Lydia Glaze, I hope I pronounced her name correctly, but earlier this week, the Georgia House Education Subcommittee, and we're back at school choice now, but they were debating Senate Bill 233, which, again, provides families $6,500 to students if they are in a failing school and qualify. She basically said, I will quote, that a lot of these parents, or a lot of those parents did not finish high school I am extremely concerned that we would put money in their hands and that entire piece of life in the hands of parents who are not qualified to make those decisions. So she basically said the people in her district are not, they don't have money and they're not qualified to make decisions on how to spend money on their own. And we should always keep the government uh, dictating how their children are being schooled. This has really blown up. It's taken a life of its own online and out on Twitter, and even national news has picked this story up. Funny thing about Lydia, though, what did she do? She was a school educator. She went to private school, and she sent both of her children to private school. Uh, So she she wanted to have all the opportunities that this bill provides, but then on the backside of it, you know, she doesn't want anybody else to have those opportunities that her and her children had coming up. Yeah, and I guarantee you, she's a she's a, against the bill that Kemp just signed. That yeah. she's totally believes that a twelve year old who's is qualified to decide if he wants to cut Mister Happy off. But parents who have had to work and scrape and come along don't don't know enough or don't care enough about their kids to to find the best opportunity for them. Yep, and you know, Dave. She, I mean, her, one of her points was. This is going to give students $6,500. Typical private school costs $10,000. And that's going to be a lot of money for someone living in poverty to make up the difference. But I don't know about you, but I see a lot of times that people have GoFundMe accounts. They raise money on Facebook. If, if a parent wants to send their child to a private school bad enough, they will raise that $3,500 to send their child to a private school. So there's it's also scholarships. Scholarships also. Uh, private schools uh, get a lot tons of, the, of a lot of these private schools have have uh, have scholarship avail- uh, availability. It, it, it's part of the part of their community stuff. Yep. Is to uh, offer lower income kids that who who qualify get you know give them a, a an opportunity to decent education. Because yep. these kids are coming out of school like we just t- talked about earlier about kids are coming out of school with with a 4.0 and they know nothing. Yeah, and they're, they and they're barely getting, read. Yep. Yeah, they're getting accepted to the to these universities, and they're they're being thrown in. They're being mm-hmm. thrown in with kids who went to private school, who actually had p- two parents at home, who had parents who read to them from a very early age. So they're they're being thrown into competition with with kids who spent their entire lives with a with a with a love of learning, mm-hmm. and, and 
I guarantee you, if it's sixty five hundred dollars, there's there there will be some private schools pop up, figure out how to how to make money with sixty five hundred a student. Yes, I totally agree. Uh, and, and like you we said, did there, there'll be scholarships. There's fundraising opportunities. There will be ways for those parents. Uh, those parents may be in poverty, but those parents still care about their children, and they want their children to have the best in life. And they will find a way to send that child to a private school if they qualify with that $6,500. So for the representative to just completely dismiss her constituents and say they're not smart enough to understand how to spend $6,500. And also, by the way, how much government money has been given to families over the last two or three years since COVID picked up? So does she also not believe the parents were smart enough to spend all the government money that's been handed out over the last two to three years? Well, let's let's be fair. Her constituents were dumb enough to vote for her. <laughs> and we'll vote for her again, I'm sure. Uh, you know, we did a story a couple years ago. It was about the guy who owns Captive Air, who started Captive Air, which is a a ventilation company. They 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 do vent hoods and stuff for kitchens. Anyway, he started a private school, and the tuition of these schools is very very low. They do not do nutrition. They don't do sports. They have they actually don't do special education. Uh, they have they group kids in large classes by ability, and the cost is relatively low. And they have a multi year waiting list. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's in South Carolina for these kids to get in. He was actually going to start a start a college, a four year college, of uh, uh, something like twelve thousand a year, something ridiculous like that. But it was going to have one course study. Again, no no on-campus housing, none of that stuff. But uh, it, it's, it was very regimented, but it was totally affordable for a young person to have a private school education and then go to a private university and come out with, with, a, which, with a bachelor's degree very, very affordably. Versus, I don't know what Kennesaw State is now, but it's 25 grand yeah, a year. 25 grand a year. We just checked. Hey, I just checked into that over the last year with my graduating seniors. So Kennesaw State's become very expensive. Yeah, because it's free. Yeah, because it's free. <laughs> I said this when, when Obamacare was coming out. If you think uh, healthcare is expensive now, wait till it's free. <laughs> now I have a medication that's 500 bucks a month. Which you know, I always thought was a car payment, but you informed me uh, uh, earlier today that most people's car payments are now eight, nine hundred dollars a month, which kind of makes me cry. Mm. All right, certificate of need. Certificate of need. We've talked about this in the show a little bit, but now we've got a fight between uh, Lieutenant uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Jones and Governor Kemp. Yeah, and just real quick on what certificate of need is. So if a, if a new hospital or a new acute care facility wants to open up in the state of Georgia. They have to actually apply for a certificate of need through the state of Georgia and get permission to open up. So a very anti-free uh, market process that we go through. And the reason they do that is Georgia wants to protect local hospitals in certain areas. So local hospitals make a lot of money on certain procedures, like MRIs, for example, and then they lose a lot of money on other operations. So what you see is acute care facilities will pop up, want to do nothing but MRIs. And then the state of Georgia has to prove that. And typically they either get, they don't get approved or it takes years and years before they get approved. So Senator Dolezal introduced Senate Bill 99, which basically would get rid of the certificate of need process in rural Georgia. So it would actually allow a lot more healthcare innovation across the state and allow more healthcare facilities to pop up around the state. 
as you can imagine, the uh, hospital lobbyist industry is probably the largest industry in Georgia. They probably spend the most money lobbying throughout the state of Georgia, and they're very much opposed to this bill. What this brought, what this is brought out, though, and it's so intriguing, it's right here at the end of the session, is Lieutenant, Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones is very much in favor of this legislation. Governor Kemp and the House leadership is opposed to this legislation. And then uh, Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones also has some land down in Butts County where he's from, and well, or there was a hospital trying to open up a facility on his land that had to go through the certificate of need process. So it's brought up some ethical questions from the Lieutenant Governor. Uh, in turn, he has stripped some money out of the state budget this year for Wellstar. They were one of the ones complaining about it. So it's brought up this really interesting dynamic now between the Lieutenant Governor, the Governor, and the House. And this is sort of an open feud. We don't even know at this point if the budget's going to be passed this year. So there's talk in the General Assembly now, and the only constitutional duty that the General Assembly has to do is pass a balanced budget every year. There's actually talk that it may have to have a special session after next week because a budget potentially will not be approved by Wednesday night. And I know I just said a lot, Dave, but this is very much intriguing because you usually don't have this spin or this intrigue so late in a session. The budget is typically already passed. At this point, we don't have a state budget for next year. Money's being ripped out for people that are going against Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones and the House and uh, and Governor Kemp are sort of furious about this. Kemp needs to stay the hell in his box. <laughs> if he wants to veto it, that's his right. Yes, I agree. Uh, stay out of it. Uh, look, Wellstar swings uh, swings big around here. They're mm-hmm. I think they're the number one emplo- employer in Paulding County. Uh, I was I was at Wellstar earlier today. Uh, parking lots too small, buildings too small. Uh, they're constantly full. They keep selling, saying they're going to expand, but we could use uh, another imaging facility, for instance, yep. to to go get an MRI at Wellstar. <clears throat> you get an appointment. You have to go to the hospital. Again, parking is awful. Go check in. Now, now think about this during COVID if you need an, an MRI. You could mm-hmm. just go to an MRI facility where it's just you and two other people. You know, you've got the receptionist and you get the person running the uh, the MRI during COVID and everybody was waiting, waiting outside. Uh, you had to go into the hospital, put on a mask and be around, all, essentially walk past all the sick people to yeah. go to go and get your MRI. Not to mention this, the person that, that may have COVID that's sitting next to you waiting for x-rays in the same imaging area. Um, <clears throat> plus, you're allowed to open as many clinics as you want, urgent care clinics. Mm-hmm. But there's very strict rules on what they can treat and what they can't. Yes, that's what it is. Very strict. So uh, I was in a, a meeting uh, with a with a rep. He's now a rep emeritus. Also, um, he was a long long time rep, and I was kind of railing on certificate of need back then. And he was, you know, not reading me for filth, but he was pushing back on that stuff about that there are there are largest employer. We have to protect them. No, the hell we don't. <laughs> yeah, that happened in my Our district. Tr- we had a hospital in Upson County that when we tried to outlaw certificate of need back in or get rid of certificate of need back in 2019, 
they I was on a speed dial with them because, you know, woe is me. The hospital's gonna have to shutter. All of our employees are gonna be laid off. If if listen, if someone opens up an imaging center next door, that was the message. So. Yeah, that's uh, and and what we were talking about was Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Uh, they're they're on um, eighty five South and Noonan area. Mm-hmm. They have a facility, but they are only allowed to take a certain percentage from the state of Georgia. Yeah, they can only take six or seven percent of people, I think, or maybe twelve, but it's less than twenty percent of the people that go there from the state of Georgia, which. Hardly anybody would you. You wouldn't think that if you lived in Georgia, but they can only take a very small percentage. Right, they have to pull from out of state. And what he was, the reason we got into the conversation was he was griping that he thinks that the cancer treatment centers are treating more than their allotted amount of of Georgians. And I told him, I'm not, I'm not going to call him up by name. He's 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 not, he's a, he's a nice old man, and he's not uh, he's not in office anymore. But I, I said, man, if if I had cancer, I want to go to the best, yep. not what. Not because the government says, well, you can't build the best here. I want to go to the best. Yeah, I want to go to the best. Yeah. If, and that's the free market. I mean, that's free market. Free market says, I want to research. I want to look at reviews. I want to talk to people. And I'll get to the best facility I can without the government telling me where I can go. And you want to talk about God smiling on somebody with cancer? My mother had breast cancer some years ago. She was living in Houston at the time, which is the home of MD Anderson. And she just... It, my father, when he started with the FAA, that's that's where he was stationed was was in Houston, and she was in League City, right outside of Houston, and that's that's where they went. They went to MD Anderson, and it's it's, it's probably the finest uh, breast cancer research facility in the country. Uh, and I don't know if Cancer Treatment of America is the is the best or whatever. I have no I have no idea. But if I did my research and that was the best place to go, and then to say no, we've already hit our number of people that from Georgia. You have to go out of state. Which means your insurance may not may not be taken going out of state. Got travel costs. You got all kind of additional costs. Tra- that you travel have to, costs. Yeah, yep. to, yeah, to go to go out to, to go out to Alabama, and and there's there I think there's probably one right across the border of Alabama, and they probably just trade uh, trade patients back and forth. Yeah, they do. Which is there's a good reason I'm not in charge of these facilities because because by nature. I don't like rules and I don't like government. So I would just, I would just write somebody down as being in Alabama and treat them in Georgia. You would see more than 20%. I see. Oh yeah. Yeah. They'd have to haul me off in chains, but it's, I, I, there's nobody with any principle that can say this is a good thing. This is only people who are sitting in Wellstar's, well, so Wellstar's pocket Yeah, are afraid of, or not saying saying they're in the pocket. They're afraid of the repercussions of what Wellstar will do. Yep. Is that they'll they'll support somebody against them. And it's I mean this is just fascinating that this came up with a couple of days left. And whether or not it derails the budget being passed, special session has to get called, which just costs Georgia taxpayers. It's going to be so interesting to see how this plays out over the next couple of days. Not just the taxpayers, but it's it's also taxing on on, on the reps and senators who. Yeah, most have jobs too that they need to get back to. Or a lot of the people, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of guys I'm still friends with have jobs that they need to get get back to and see their families. Yeah, also. jobby jobs. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I know my guy, Gold, he, he works for a bank. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he worked, he needs to get back to work. Uh, yep. Martin Mumptahan needs to get back to his driving school. I mean, it, it, it kind of goes on autopilot, so to speak. But when kids start getting out of school, he needs to be at the helm. You know, right. That's when the kids are, are doing doing that kind of stuff. 
he needs he needs to be uh, needs to be at the helm of his business. I, I'd be the same way. I, you know, I might be able to do forty days, but I can't not run Doctor Cool when it's you know getting to be eighty nine degrees outside <laughs> because the jackasses down there couldn't pass a budget. <laughs> Yes. So we have your update on your uh, look, kid's I, school zone ticket. Look, I'll be quick on this. I know we're running out of time. And Jessica has written about this extensively on Facebook. This bill passed back in 2018. Probably everybody knows this, or most people now drive by one of these darn school zone ticket or school zone cameras. And I could have said a, a worse word. Uh, my wife's car got one a while back. I, I say my wife's car got one because that's who the ticket's issued to. It's issued to the registered owner of the car, whether they were driving or not. So my wife's car got one a while back. I said, hey, I want my day in court. I have sent letters back and forth uh, to the city of Griffin and to Spalding County just requesting uh, to really understand the process, Dave. So it's you get a bill, $75 in the mail. Typically, you would get to go to court and dispute that if you wanted to. There's no court process that, that handles these tickets. So then I get back a letter that I've got to go. I have an administrative hearing that I'm not invited to. I found get found guilty out of that. I email the company, and now guess what? Uh, they said you got to go to court, but they don't tell me which court. So this thing is just plagued with uh, – it makes it so hard for the consumer that gets a ticket if they want to face their accuser and see their day of court. It's truly almost impossible. And I'm doing it now out of spite because I've got $75 to pay for the ticket. Uh, but I'm actually going to take this thing and see how far we can take it, whether or not it's the state court or superior court, and fight this ticket as far as we can. These tickets have raised over a million dollars in revenue in Spalding County alone, which to me is the most infuriating part of this. That the local sheriff... And the local police chief would take a million dollars out of their local economy because people most of the time were speeding not during school, but during an hour after school, uh, which is what these cameras are set up for. So these schools on cameras need to go. We need some representatives to step up, step up and outlaw them. But again, that's me on my high horse. I'm, I'm so frustrated we're taking money out of Georgians' pockets for something that's not a safety issue. Uh, most of these cam- and, and, yeah, most of these cameras are up in places where no kids would ever cross the street. And look, I, I've I have seen the flashing school sign on holidays. Yes, days days that I know kids aren't in school, and people just pay but, the seventy five dollars when they get the ticket because they don't want to go through the process that I'm going through. So they just say, "Here's seventy five dollars, and let me move on." Yeah, because uh, look now. now the, the, the group of friends I run with, uh, really good guys, but serious a-holes. I've got a friend who the city tried to shut down his business, and he told the city, I have more money than you do, and then proved it. <laughs> and I mean, he, he lost a ton of money, right. but the store stayed open. And it, it was, it was, it was, he just, he, and I think he told him bluntly, I have more money than you do. And just and just set his had set his lawyer on it and just wore the city out until they finally I think they passed a code around him or gave him a ex post facto or something um, or post ex facto or something like that and, and grandfather man just kind of and, and and left him as an island and moved around him because just it, it wasn't worth the 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 city's budget mm-hmm. you know this particular city can can hardly afford elections right 
Um, Unless they don't, they don't even have, yeah, yeah they don't have a, a PNZ. They 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 use the county yep. for PNZ and stuff because they just they 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 don't have the money for it. Um, and and to the credit of this particular city, they don't they don't have a, a they don't have any additional tax on the citizens. They're mm-hmm. they're totally funded out of sales tax. Yeah, which, which is which to their credit, but uh, but yeah, it's I, I'm like you. I I I will spend. 10 times that shit. I'll, I'll spend a hundred times that I will trying to fight this. And look, I got to give credit. It, uh, I know sometimes we kind of, we get on the representatives for doing things that we don't like, but I will give credit to representative Ridley and Collins, both of those who probably also got schools on tickets. Uh, if we had to guess, but representative Ridley uh, put a bill in to take the first offense down to $10 from 75 and down to 20 from two fifty. That bill has zero chance of passing, I would assume. And Jay Collins from over towards your area wanted to shorten a window that these cameras are active uh, to 30 minutes before and after school. So, you know, some of these cameras are active an hour after school. So I really appreciate both of those guys trying to fight against these tickets, even though I'm sure their bills have zero chance of passing. Yeah. And, (coughs) oh, excuse me. Uh, The yellow fog is still in. uh, in Metro Atlanta. Uh, what happens if you get a ticket and it says December 25th, 845 AM and you have no recourse. You can't, you can't go to court. You don't know what court to go to. Yeah. You have no, no you, idea what court to go to. That's the problem. You call the sheriff's office and they go, we don't know anything about it. Yep. You call the clerk of court. Well, we don't know anything about it. Yes. They just told me to go to court. That's what that, the last notice I got just said, you need to dispute it in court. And I asked them what court, and I haven't got an answer back yet. So I don't know if it's state court, superior court, municipal court. Like, who knows? I mean, just, you just show up. Uh, I guess you could call the solicitor. <laughs> I'm just going to show up one day. Just call call the Spalding County Solicitor's Office. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm, do you know your solicitor? Of course, you don't live in Spalding, do you? you live? No, I live in Pike County, which I thought, yeah, I live on the county south. Uh, but yeah, I thought I'm... I know the uh, state. I know the solicitor, so I may have to go pay him a visit. Yeah, go walk in his office and slap it down on his desk. <laughs> you know, give give me a date. Give me a date. I, I want to face my accuser. Yeah, give me a date. <laughs> um, I, I read a book a long time ago about how to fight traffic tickets. I have never used any of the uh, um, the tips in there, but I, it was interesting. It was written back in the nineties. I read it. I read it when I was in high school or something. But it talked about camera tickets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or tickets you get in the mail. He, and and the, the author of the book says, I use them to line my birdcage. <laughs> I mean, do we know if anybody's actually been arrested for failure to appear on one of these things? No, but what they do is they put a lien on your car if you don't uh, pay the ticket. So the next time you go in to renew your car tag, you can't renew your car tag. So, that's, so it's not a ticket to the individual. It's a ticket to the actual vehicle. So it gives you no points. It, it, so no it's, points. It's, it's just a civil it, matter it, between the company and your car or the, the registrar of the car, whoever's registered the car, even if that person's not driving. Yeah, that's that that's spectacular. <laughs> your governor work. Well, Ken, yes. do you have any closing thoughts now, now that we've we've hit the gamut of of inappropriate conversations to start and uh, and inappropriate legislation oh. to end? Hey, real quick. I know uh, I, we've had, I've, I've enjoyed this conversation and it's been a great week. We've had winter, spring, 
summer and more likely fall this weekend in one week. So this is Georgia spring. I look forward to talking to you again next week, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, lucky you. Uh, <coughs> mine is uh, flight attendants. Union wants to wants government to ban baby in arms. So right now, if you buy a ticket and you have a child two or under, you can you can book infant in arms, and you know it's, it means just that you don't have to get a seat for the infant. It stays stays in the parents' arm, the guardian's arms, whatever. It's been this way forever. Um, now the flight attendants want them to be in a car seat for the trip. Now, I can't imagine doing a four to 10 hour flight next to a screaming baby that wants to be held by its mama. And mama's <laughs> not allowed to take the baby out because it's, uh, they're going to give the same regulation as being in a car. Car deaths number in the hundreds of thousands, if not, uh, if not million, hundreds of thousands yeah. every year. I know in Georgia, we have tens of thousands by ourselves. Um, so we have hundreds of thousands of deaths in cars and airplane accidents. You have a couple hundred or a hundred that die every year. Statistically, it's much safer way to travel. Yes. Do, do bad things happen? Yes. Do we hit turbulence? Yes. Uh, do we see this rash of babies being seriously injured because mama was able to hold on to them during turbulence? No. We, we, we don't, we don't, we don't, the statistics don't support this. Right. <clears throat> And you and I fly fly enough, and you obviously fly more than I do. Yeah, too you fly much for work. Also, <laughs> uh, even with noise canceling headphones, having a screaming infant that you you sympathize with, but uh, being stuck in a car seat, uh, uh, and, I, and the, the obviously the legislation hasn't been written, or it wouldn't even be real legislation. It would just be an no, FAA rule. I think rule. this is just FAA rule, right? Yeah, uh, which is another conversation to get in altogether with. Our legislature just punting all their uh, all their authority and responsibility over to ex- the executive office. <clears throat> so, on that happy note, <laughs> big thanks to Eric Cumby, our editor, who takes our awful audio and turns it into something you listen to. Ken Pullen, our representative emeritus. I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Yeah.